Arts, Lifestyle, SNS Online. Welcome to SNS Online. My special guest today is one of the world's most familiar, beautiful, talented, and enduring performers, starring in a heavy range of high-profile powerhouse roles in television, film, and theatre in a career spanning over 50 years. From the horrors of a Singapore Japanese prisoner of war camp in Tenko to Ron Hutchinson's comment on Thatcher's Britain in the glamorous Connie, segueing into arguably the most high-profile role of her life to date as Sable Colby in both 80s super soaps, The Colbys and Dynasty. She's also been a bad girl, a vampire victim, a governess that falls under the spell of one Marlon Brando, one of Ken Barlow's numerous lady friends, and has run both a supermarket and an orphanage, the latter of which earned her a Golden Globe nomination. Theatre credits include mesmerising portrayals of both Maria Callas and Princess Margaret. So, before she joins us, let's take a couple of minutes to appreciate some of her finest work. You'll have nowhere to go. No money, you'll starve by the roadway. And you won't ever be able to see me again, will you, Margaret? Do not call me so. Ah, I forgot. Only after dark. What'd you do? Get up! Can't you see she's fainted? Women no faint! Women what? Oh, Christ, this place can't even cry without someone breathing down my neck. Thought it might help to talk. This is your new role, Chief Busybody. Is that how you feel? No, bitch, I'm sorry. Blanche, <laughs> isn't it? <sighs> if she wants to be bloody minded, let her. Why should I care about a common little tart? Oh, indeed. I am having some of that. My spoon is going in the gravy. My snout is going in the trough. Can you hear me out there? Are you listening? I'm back. And I'm having some of that. I admire a woman who will pay any price for what you want. So will I. Come to Cuernavaca. It won't cost you nearly so much. But more than my husband would like. There are limits even to his generosity. I can wait. You'll have to. The marriage is strong. It sways a little when the winds are high, but the foundation is solid. Sable, what do you think you're doing with that? Recognize this, Jason. Your favorite gun. Blow a hole in a man the size of your fist. How many times have I heard you say that? Put it down before you hurt somebody. Yes, that's the idea. Hurt you like you've hurt me. Sable. You've killed me. You've killed everything we had between us. Hurt somebody, you sanctimonious hypocrite. Blake didn't kill Roger, but whoever did, did him a favor. I'm sure that the bottom of that lake was warmer than your bed. 
And I'm sure that you wouldn't even care if Blake killed Freckles the clown. <laughs> but he didn't. No, he didn't, because you're still alive and so yearning to be taken care of. What a pity that Blake isn't interested in it. Alexis, if you don't stop, you are going to lose in ways that you cannot imagine. You see, Neville, we must learn not to think in terms of stereotypes. Just because a person is black doesn't mean to say he can tap dance. And just because a person happens to be a nun, that doesn't mean she sings or plays guitar. Or, incidentally, likes children. <laughs> what are you doing? We're getting out of here. Are you coming with me? If we stay in here, we are going to die in here. What's going on? We're checking out of here. Welcome, one and all, to be simply breathtaking. Be still, my beating heart. Stephanie Beecham. <laughs> So, Stephanie Beecham, icon, goddess, national treasure, <laughs> international treasure, we are humbled and honoured in equal measure to welcome you on board the SNS Online family. And apologies if I end up gushing just a little bit for the odd minute or two. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm flabbergasted, but thank you. Just to say that I find you so mesmerisingly watchable in all that you do. And what I mean by that, it's clearly not just how beautiful you are, but how incredibly nuanced and detailed your performances are. I mean, it's all clearly coming from years of rigorous training as well as years of honing your craft in the theatre. Well, perhaps, or it's just really paying attention to every second that happens. But thank you for observing that. I, I call it that rather backbone, if you like. It's sort of turning up on time with a smile on your face and, and your lines learnt. I always say that the only reason I've been employed so much is that I know how to put my lipstick on straight and I turn up on time. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Sage advice indeed. Um, let me take you back, Stephanie, to your early years. As shortly after your school days, you went to France to study corporeal mime under the celebrated Etienne de Croix. So... I'm presuming you were focused quite early on for a performance-related career? I thought I was going to teach uh, dance to deaf children. Right. Because I'm very deaf, and uh, deafness is not associated with any elegance or grace. And I thought if you had a springy enough floor that they could hear through the floor to teach children who are deaf to dance and therefore to move beautifully, uh, it would be a wonderful thing. But unfortunately, I <laughs> did my mime and then I got fired from my job. <gasps> um, I, was a, I was an au pair. I was the worst au pair that there has ever been. <laughs> and when I had au pairs for my kids... If the children settled down too early and I was still at home and hadn't gone to the theatre, I would just storm into the nursery, prize open mouths and take the sweet out because <laughs> I knew that that was a very cheap trick. Yes, well. Um, I know I was a dreadful au pair, so I knew all about that. <laughs> um, and, and so I came back to England and I went up to Liverpool to visit a boyfriend mm. and 
that's when I entered the theater. The Liverpool Everyman, they were still building the stage. Wow, that's amazing. But the atmosphere was extraordinary. And I did a speech from O-level English. Um, I did a speech of Juliet's, you know, that I'd learned. Yes. uh, For O-level. And uh, they laughed and employed me. Isn't it amazing and that's how, how I started? How uh, fate can sort of take you one way or the other. Perfectly extraordinary, providing the fate can take it, but you've got to, you've got to buy the bus ticket if you know what I mean. Yeah. You yeah. can't, you can't wait at home and say, well, whatever is in store for me will happen. Yes. You've got to do your tax returns, buy the bus ticket, and uh, uh, know what you are ready for. Mm. Yeah, I completely understand. Um, Were any of those early days a struggle? I mean, you seem to hit the ground running from very early on with guest spots on The Saints, Callan, UFO, and then being directed by both Michael Winner and actor Roddy McDowell in your first two films, The Games and Tam Lin, uh, horror genre with Peter Cushing. Were there lean times? Not then, no. Um, But going back to the Liverpool Everyman, uh, I didn't eat after Wednesday. And uh, we got paid on, I think we got paid on Thursday because I remember my birthday. I used to make the coffee for everybody. Mm. And I, it was my birthday and I'd been sent some biscuits by an aunt. And I hadn't eaten since the uh, lunchtime the day before. But by the time I brought back the coffee, all my biscuits had been eaten. No! <laughs> Who nicked your biscuits, Stephanie? The whole of the flaming cast oh. of Henry IV Part Two, I believe it was. Oh, blimey, that's awful. <laughs> oh, it's a terrible story. I hope story, they bought you some it? chips or something <laughs> to make up for it. Anyway, what it really was, was I had lean times then. I mean, sure. I was telling somebody the other day, they, they were complaining about their bed. And I said, well, in in Liverpool, I had a bed that was a piece of wood on four large beer cans oh, and then yes. a mattress. Wow. Um, but the beer cans, uh, which were tall, those big ones, I don't know, must have been left over from some party. And uh, I put butter, olive oil uh, on them, greased them because then the mice couldn't get on the bed. Oh, my goodness me. So that's, so extraordinary. that's those, are, those are little tales of, yes. of, you know, a 17-year-old who was just in love with theatre, yes. not with the thought of fame or money or anything like that. It was entirely to do with just the wonder of, of people getting together to tell a story. Had I but known, (laughs) in the beginning. More bullshit. You love as you find you can love, and that's all. But all that pain, all the hurt, the dirtiness of it, Quint. Well, what did you think when we started? It was to be kind. It was to be gentle. Do you think there's, there's no hurt when you love? The Nightcomers, we have to bring that up, starring Marlon Brando in 1971. I mean, to work with Marlon Brando quite so early in your career, that is bonkers. My mother phoned me up and she said, Don, you haven't 
talk to me for a bit what's happening. I said, oh, it's wonderful. I'm making, uh, I'm going to co-star with Marlon Brando. And she said, oh, darling, how lovely, Brandy Marlow. I must tell Auntie Molly. <laughs> Never heard of him. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> but he was wonderful and he was a friend for the whole of his life. I, he became a friend. I mean, when the Malibu fires happened, he phoned me and just said, I don't mind how many people you've got in your household. If you think you're in danger, my house is open. Bless him. That's, well, that's wonderful. That's nice, isn't it? Yeah, no, so so wonderful. Um, but, but but you knew him so well, as well as working with him. That's just that's just uh, that's wonderful. Yes, um, we became we became very good friends. Mm. Uh, mind you, he he was he was as naughty as anything. <laughs> I mean, one time one time he he phoned me up at four o'clock in the morning, and said, "Why is your name Beach Ham?" I said, "It isn't." <laughs> I said, "It's Beauchamp. It's beautiful fields. It's not Beach Pig." Um, and um, uh, and another time he phoned me up, you know, two o'clock in the morning and said, what was that sonnet you you told me the other day? You know, it, it sort of didn't, didn't have the hours of mere mortals. No, clearly not. It would have meant jail, Quint. Years. I could have done anything to you for what you did to me in the beginning. No. Why not? What have I gained by my silence? Myself. But you've just told Miles you care nothing, that you'd end it now. I need you with me, Margaret. I need you to stay with me. To live with you in your pigsty. Is it also true that Brando wore wide fronts and Wellington boots under his bedclothes to ensure uh, Michael yes. Winner didn't film anything love and that was necessary in the love scenes? <laughs> yes, yes. I had a nudity clause. It was a nudity clause saying she will be naked. And when Marlon realised that, he thought, well, I can't right. do anything to protect your top half, but I can totally protect... All the rest. And that's what he did. Huge Y-fronts. You've never seen anything so funny. It was it was such a protection. He was very caring. You know yeah. that if you were being cheeky, he could destroy you. Mm. He would put farting cushions under your you know, he would do he would do he was naughty and silly and played games. But if he saw you insecure or if he felt you to be caring, mm. uh, but not being able to express it, he had all the time in the world. Oh, wow, he sounds amazing. Yeah, I'll uh, defend that man. And, oh, gosh, I mean, uh, uh, the charisma of certain people. Yeah. And and uh, let's not forget the first film I ever did was with Ava Gardner. Yes, uh, Some people won't remember Ava Gardner, but, my God, she's worth remembering. She was a wonderful, sensitive person, and she taught me so much about lighting, about so many things. Mm. What do you want? I came to see Tom. Uh, he left two days ago. Do you know where I can find him? You know, there are days when I lose my taste for the young. Perhaps it has to do with all that sleek, resilient flesh. 
No. I cannot tell you where to find him. When we last met, I remember you as being very understanding. Please. Why do you want to find him? If you can produce a reason that impresses me, I'll help you. I'm going to have his baby. Tenko now, which is one of my all-time favourite dramas Aww. ever. Can't she understand that I feel betrayed, just as she does? I helped her plan the escape. I covered up for her. I even gave her Bernard's ring for good luck, and then she takes along that child. I had to report it to Marion, didn't I? Yes. Oh. I know it's ridiculous. But she's the nearest thing I've ever had. To a friend. Just before Tenko, I had uh, had a really lean, disastrous emotional time. Uh-huh. That was a breakup of marriage that was... Uh, me alone with no money, with two kids. It was suddenly uh, there was n- there was no Hollywood, there was no nothing, and uh, and to then get together with a team of women, it was just the the most mending, wonderful thing, and made friends with people who are friends to this day. I mean, Veronica Roberts, to, to name but yes, one, but, yeah. you know, Steph Cole and, and uh, Louise Jameson yeah, and Ansel. I what a team. Yeah. It, it was such a strong team. And just for, for those very few people who've been living under a rock, Tenko was a World War II Japanese prisoner of war camp uh, series. It was set uh, near Singapore, although filmed mostly in a sandpit in Dorset. You, you wouldn't know, though. I was absolutely shocked when I realised where it was filmed. <laughs> with, with baby oil on the, yeah. the sweat. Yeah, I mean, I just but we thought... had. Um, it was very. Uh, I mean, it was wonderfully no makeup. No, uh, my major makeup was a porridge oat stuck on the side of my lip, so it looked like I had uh, cracked sore lips. Oh. A porridge oat. <laughs> It's not exactly the Colbys, is it? <laughs> no. And, and, and I was behind James Fox in the um, uh, uh, queue at the BBC, you know, for the canteen. Your and that's right, the canteen. And yeah. he looked at me and said, oh, Your makeup is wonderful. And I thought, it's just me, very tired with a porridge. Oh. <laughs> oh, I love it. Stop jigging about. That's what my nana used to say. Well, the fat chance of jigging now. Don't. Look, I will say what I want to say. Of course. Sorry. And stop being so patient with me. Radio. I mean, you saw Bernard. Did you ask about Tom? Oh, well, very patient you've been. Waiting all these days. 
I want to know. He's with them. What exactly did Bernard say? Sorry, he said that he was alive and kicking. Christ. Why does movement have to come into every bloody thing? It's any comfort. You only notice at the beginning. The beginning? Get out. Get out! We also have to sort of flag up the fact that it was a, a very female-driven show, not only in terms of the uh, front of house, but the, the with wonderful Lavinia and everybody. Jill Heim, of yes. course, a wonderful Jill Heim, yes. who I got to know briefly oh, from back in the day, and and Valerie. I think Paul Wheeler was one of the writers, but mainly it was uh, it was it was women. It was the girls, yes, yeah. yeah. And uh, as I said to, to people at the time, lighting a candle for Rose Miller because I was uh, I was so shocked when she had to go. Um, oh, I know. I was very and, sad, and, and you're, you're, you're that last episode. You're, you're just so strong in it. It's just oh. acting chops a go go. And I, I've watched that actual episode um, probably about five or six oh, times. Oh, thank you. Yeah. When I was little, I used to ask my nanny to put me to bed early the night before my birthday. I thought it would make the morning come quicker. Now, I hope it will never come. I tell you, I tell you, it was wonderful. I was going to uh, Suffolk. Mm. I was driving. It was night time, and uh, uh, it, uh, the, the the episode of Tenko had been on the day before, and uh, I was there was a car in my way, and I flashed it, and uh, and it pulled over a bit, and I overtook it, and then it put its lights on, and it was of course the police, oh. and they stopped me. And they, you know, that terrible walk round, and you think, yes. oh my lord, I am <laughs> so, I have just overtaken a car that I've hooted and flashed, and it was a, oh lord. And I roll down my window and I look at him, and he looks at me, and he takes a long, long pause. And then he says, My wife says you made a very good death on the television last night. You weren't <laughs> just speeding, were you? And I said, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I wasn't. He said, and you wouldn't speed, would you? And I said, I, I, I would really try not to. He said, good. <laughs> oh, wow. Well. <laughs> so I was very, I got, I got, you away. got away with <laughs> that, that one. Wondering. Yes. <laughs> You're listening to SNS Online with me, Nick Randall, and my special guest, the rather lovely Stephanie Beecham. Just Latin and Greek, yeah. 
What are you good at? Fashion. Knitwear. I ran my own chain. Built it up. Ran it. Had it robbed off me by family, but that is another story, and that one is really boring, not just mildly boring. Well, I can't actually see where we would fit you in. But if we ever need anything hijacked, I'll give you a call. You don't believe me, do you? I did it once, and I can do it again. Ron Hutchison's Connie, which couldn't be more different from Tenko. You look so spectacularly glamorous. Also, a perfect audition for the Colbys. So well timed there. Um, I did say when we were when we were dressing it, when we were making it, I said, "Shouldn't we be making this a little less sort of knitwear and a bit more sort of what's that thing they're doing in America at the moment? A dynasty? What's it called? (laughs) Dynasty." You know, it was it was that? Shouldn't we be making? And we did dress it up, oh, perhaps more than it should have yes. been, but it made better Sunday night television. I thought I loved that show. I loved it too. Um, I loved it uh, too. Thank you. I, I mean, mean, never sh- say one word when twelve will do. That's Ron Hutchinson's <laughs> writing. I mean, very, very wordy. I was always strong on colour, but I'd forgotten how grey and red England is. Grey old, wet old, boring old England. Breathing here is like having to suck in Sunday gravy with the lumps in. I've got ten drachmas and a bad hand. Can I make it again? But, uh, uh, you know, Pam Ferris was... Oh, yeah. She was just amazing. Brenda Bruce? Oh, Brenda. Brenda Brenda came in to uh, the producers when she'd been offered it with all 12 scripts and plonked them on the table and said, I don't know that I can make head or tail of this. Explain it to me. <laughs> uh, what I loved about like comparing um, Sable to Connie, I mean, they are very different characters, but both fiercely strong as well as fashion focused, which I guess was, was the connection. And also it was a sort of comment on Thatcher's Britain, wasn't it? Could a woman with no money or, or a corrupt value succeed? Exactly, exactly that. So one was much more political than the other, yeah, and yeah. but they, I think they both shared the fact that they were the centre of their own universes. Mm. I have to say that Connie and Sable shared that um, uh, utter narcissism, but their roots <laughs> and their ways were very different. My spoon is going into the gravy. My snout is going into the trough. I'm having, I'm having some, some of that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Yes. Yes. No, 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 no. Some, some of that dialogue, uh, you know, was, was, was delicious. Oh, yes. And I was very fortunate to get that. And uh, oh, it's many stories around that, mm. many stories. I am having some of that. My spoon is going in the gravy. My snout is going in the trough. Can you hear me out there? Are you listening? I'm back, and I'm having some of that.
something special in Denver, too. I want you to shine like the full moon. It's what I'm paid for, isn't it? Mm -hmm. This is Kobe. What you've got, nobody can pay for. So we come to Super Soap Dynasty, which has its 40-year uh, milestone this year, which then spun off into The Colbys, which I actually preferred. Um, I've been watching so much of this in lockdown, I was actually in danger of forgetting which decade I was in. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I felt Sable was so well-constructed as a character, and, uh, as, and as wonderful as Joan Collins as Alexis was, distinctly different from her. She could do extremely bad things, but it all seemed to come from her being a roaring lioness of a wife and mother, you know, simply trying yes. to keep everything together, the family together. And uh, the fact that she created the Colby art collection as a tribute to her husband, Jason, there's a, there's a wonderful scene when she's talking about life isn't perfect to her son, Miles. I uh, just heard you're taking off for New York day after tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bid on a Matisse for the new wig. You sure it's the right time to take off and buy a painting? It's the only time, dear. This Matisse has been off the market for 30 years. You know what I mean. You shouldn't leave town with you and Dad like this. Like what? Miles, your father and I are having a disagreement. That happens in the best of marriages. Which is what you have, right? It's not perfect. No, I admit that. Whose is? <laughs> Mom. Look, I just want... Perfection. If you find it in marriages or people, you let me know. I have been looking for it all my life. Oh, mother. And I know where you can find it. There. In art. Do you see that world in there? That is perfect. It needs nothing. It asks for nothing. No one can spoil it or change it or touch it. And in there... And there. That's what the Colby collection means to me. If I can't give your father perfection in his marriage, I can give it to him here. It was very well written. There, there, were, there were moments which were very well written, I would say. I think there were. And uh, if I had any tiny tweaks to be made in the script, I couldn't make them, but I could address them to Charlton Heston, mm. who, could, who could change things. Yes. And uh, uh, I loved that show. And what I, I think really what I felt about it was she could have been just plain frightful. Mm. And <laughs> I thought if nobody believes that they are bad, I will say Amelda Marcos thought that she knew that the people of the Philippines thought she needed 2,000 pairs of shoes, <laughs> that, that, that Sable knew she was doing right when she was really doing wrong Yes, yeah, um, uh, because of her children. It's that and, conviction, uh, I think, that, that drove uh, the um, believability, if you like, the character. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I'll phone out the kids in the morning. Why? Tell him you're ready to drop your suit against Connie. But I don't want to drop it. It has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with us. When you attack Connie, you attack me. And when she attacks our son, you simply turn the other cheek. I can't do that. You don't see it, do you? 
You really don't see it. It was amazing fun. Yeah. And uh, it was also glorious to be, oh, I don't know. I mean, when I walked into Paramount Studios and I actually had my name on a parking space next to, a, a you know, the studio, in the studio, not just on the guest parking lot. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Really, <laughs> I just felt so uh, lucky, lucky, yes. lucky, lucky. I mean, I remember that fever pitch excitement when when Dynasty not only secured its own spin-off, but they were encouraging British actresses to audition for new roles. So there was Sable and also Caress that went to Kate O'Mara. That must have been an incredible moment securing that role. Did you have any misgivings about accepting it based on your background in UK theatre and the sort of the work taking you possibly away from your roots, if you like? OK, several, several things about that. First of mm. all, when <laughs> when I was asked to audition, I thought, oh, that's why bother? Mm. And why bother? And I was on the first day of the first holiday I had had in ages with my kids down in the West Country. And uh, and then I had a strange daydream. And I saw a red tile roof and a palm tree. And I thought, God's sending me to Los Angeles. And then the next minute I was phoned up and asked to go up to London and I thought, oh, no, I don't think I can. I'm here. I'm on holiday. I've mm-hmm. got to stay on holiday. And then my neighbor phoned me and said, I'm so sorry. I've locked your keys in your house and I can't feed your fish. And I thought, well, there we go. I'm going up to London to to release you know, to feed my fish and I'll do that audition. And anyway, that strange daydream. What was that about? And I went into the audition place and I smelt a smell. And I thought, this is an odd smell. I thought, what is it? I thought, oh, my God, that's adrenaline. That's fear. (sighs) This is very important. People have sweated here. You know, this is this. And I hadn't really learned the script, but I just went for it. I just went for it and uh, got it. Wonderful. I needed the money. No, that's the second point. Oh, yeah, yeah. But my, my, my kids, I had realized that I did not, because of philosophy, I was sacrificing their futures because I was sending them to state schools and the state schools weren't doing very well by them. Mm. And I knew I had to pay a lot of money for their educations and I was by myself, single mom, mm. needed the money. So there we go. It all it all sort of um, fell into place. Fell into place. And quite a, I've got to say, quite a female-driven show. Uh, it had links again with your previous work, uh, written often by Esther Shapiro, who yes, created yes. both shows with her husband. Strong female characters. Admittedly, most wouldn't have passed the Bechtel test, but it was and the eighties. Not young. I mean, yes. Oh God, Joan that as well. Wasn't young. Yep. And and I was given my second Hollywood try. Uh, uh, at the age of 37, mm. which now when you look at people saying, well, now, actually now it's different. People are getting fantastic roles. Mm. But there was a whole moan, wasn't there, a few years ago that, oh, you know, that, that uh, you're, it's all over by 40. Um, mm. uh, you can't get a role after 40, which, of course, is patently ridiculous because people mm. live after 40. So, yes. of course, you can. 
But it's anyway. interesting that the new um, incarnation of Dynasty, uh, uh, which has been going for a few years, I think that's very uh, sort of a young thrusting show. It's it's I not... haven't watched it. No, well, I don't blame. <laughs> <laughs> um, we haven't we haven't looked in that no, direction. No. to flag up the incredible clothes uh, and jewellery that you got to wear in both the Colby's and Dynasty. There's a scene uh, when you're sparring with Joan um, and I remember you just walked in you just look absolutely fabulous. You have this red ruby necklace and uh, this, this gorgeous cape. Um, I heard the rumour that these jewels were actually real and the actors had security guards following them to the loo during break so they didn't suddenly uh, leave the no. country. <laughs> occasionally, occasionally things were borrowed. That, yes, they were real. Right. But I had a five tier. It was five tiers. It was the the the, the size the size of a sort of um, miniature sideboard, really, mm. and uh, with at least twenty drawers. Mm. And my jewellery, as it slowly started coming, was kept in there. Isn't that oh. ridiculous? I had just the most nonsensical things. But when I first was asked what sort of jewellery I thought Sable would like, I said, well, sort of floppy. I didn't want stiff stuff. And, uh, uh, and, they, and they came to me the next day and said, look, we've located Cartier, we've ca- located, but we can't find floppy. <laughs> I said, no, I just meant sort of movable and floppy. Yes, of course. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, I, I was pretty happy with all those oh, jewels. Oh, just looked fantastic. And it must have been lovely to come in hitting the ground running, starring the brand new show rather than, you know, guesting in initially in, in Dynasty. This was your show. Uh, yes, uh, but we started off literally we started we we span off from dynasty yeah, so well, we were all in dynasty on that first episode yeah. and i will never ever ever forget that first thing i was i had a scene with linda evans and uh wasn't she and, supposed to be the other the the duplicates character but you don't know <laughs> I can't remember. She, I, uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. But I had a scene with with Linda Evans, and I thought, oh my god, they've told me to put my champagne in my left hand. You still there? Yes. They've told me to put my champagne in my left hand, mm. and it's shaking too much. Oh. And also, Linda was on my right which means oh, I couldn't hear her. Yes, of course. And I said, Linda, Linda, do you mind? I hope the lighting cameraman, I thought, this is my first scene. Oh, my God, I'm causing trouble already. And I said, do you mind if I come the other side of you? And she must have thought it was to do with profiles and things, but it really wasn't. Mm. But she's so unveiled. And then I was able to put my champagne in my right hand, which wasn't shaking, and uh, and I was able to uh, uh, do the scene. I thought, phew. But it was overtaken with this amazing feeling, you know, mm. uh, good Lord above, that is Barbara Stanwyck, oh, and this wow. is Hollywood. Yes. You've never accepted the fact that I am mistress of this house, and I am supposed to run things around here. 
This is not your house. It is not my house. It is the Colby home, and Jeff is a Colby. And nobody puts a Colby out of this house. That young man is a threat to Miles' marriage, to the entire future of the Colby family. Nobody's more concerned about the future of this family than I am. And Jeff is part of that future now, whether you like it or not. Not at the expense of my son's happiness. Oh, come on, Sable. You're not interested in Miles' happiness. You're only interested in yourself. Your position, your power. This is one time when you are not going to have your way, Constance. Jeff goes. And that's final. Over my dead body. I mean, she was so fantastic. So was Charlton Heston. They they were just they were oh, so so good in their roles. About my uh, uh, and Chuck. Ricardo, of course. Oh yes, but Chuck, 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 Chuck. I mean, what a lovely, lovely man. He was so uh, supportive, and uh, what was he? He supported me, and I. Well, I'll say it. I inspired him. We loved acting together. Yeah. We loved it. It wasn't that lovely. You know, it wasn't like, you know, people called it a soap. And, of course, it was a soap. But it, that's not what we were doing. We weren't doing anything um, other than the very best yes. we could do for this particular scene, yeah. which is the only way to do any work. Oh, well, it? absolutely. You have to just believe in the moment. Well, this must be a bad connection. I could have sworn you've just asked me to come up and see your etchings. <laughs> Well, all lines are like all masters. Familiar, but rewarding. Ricardo Monteblan as well. He, uh, quite a, quite a, oh, um, yes. a fan Excuse of his me. work. Um, that, that must have been quite interesting, all the uh, quite intense scenes you had to do. Yes, and, and, and he was a great gentleman. And we did such fun sort of tangos and things. <laughs> uh, 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 you know, and, and I did feel that they dressed me. I mean, Nola Miller dressed me so beautifully for some of those scenes. Oh, goodness. I mean, that it feels like I'm talking about another person when I look back at, uh, at that sort of um, costuming I, I, I sometimes re, I sometimes just rewind your scenes just to watch you do the scene again and to enjoy the dress and the jewels and just the whole experience because it's uh, oh yeah, you're so kind a bit of a fan of it and uh, um do you think it deserved another season I mean uh, yes uh, you, yes yeah? I, I thought it was absolutely tragic going up in the uh, fairyland UFO land but the thing is that I think attention, it was, the attention was too spread. Yeah. And, uh, oh, between the two shows, Dynasty, you mean? Yes, mm. and Dynasty was suffering. No, oh. I, would, I would have loved to have um, uh, uh, done that for longer. Yes. But then I went over to play with Jones, so yes. that was fine too. What are you doing here? Redecorating this hotel I've just bought. You bought? Yes. Didn't your friend Dexter tell you? I sell this hotel to Pavilion Resorts. Mm-hmm. I own Pavilion Resorts. So now I own the Carlton. Really? Well, you may have bought more than you bargained for. Why did you buy my hotel? But that's what Pavilion Resorts does, darling. It acquires run-down properties that have been poorly maintained, like yourself. 
And quite a different Sable then. Well, she had evolved since the, the, the divorcing yes, the husband and the focus was it, very different. I know, but it was different. And I felt uh, when I was in my own palace, mm, yes. uh, you know, that was a, it was a very different feel. Sure. But hey, the, the, there's no complaining. That's show uh, it, 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 it's show business and who's lucky to carry on like I was able to. Let's Amazing. Take a, let's take a listen to some of your delicious put-downs you made to Alexis via your character, Sable Colby. Well, Alexis, I see you survived Africa. It's a dangerous place for most animals, but no problem for you, of course. The Sable's an animal, too, you know, from the rodent family. Hmm, speaking of the rodent family, how are you, Adam? Come to visit Mummy. I understand that you lost your husband, too. He traded you in for your sister, didn't he? Should I be sorry about your husband? Oh, no, he was sorry enough without having anybody else's help. <laughs> well, death is a simpler solution than divorce. Honestly, darling. First Cecil, then Sean. I understand why you're not on the dance floor, Sable. You might trip over your tongue. You two again? But, Lord Alexis, I don't know why you don't grow a pouch and carry him around like a kangaroo. Pouch? You mean like the one that you're developing? Women don't kill handsome young men who are madly in love with them. And if anyone had ever been madly in love with you, you'd understand that. Uh, actually, I didn't need to cat around when I was married. And I do hope your blatant adultery won't lead anyone to think that Blake killed him. You have no life of your own, so you come to Denver to try and take mine. First my hotel, then my ship. And you're drunk. Uh, well, that may be. But tomorrow I'll be sober, while you, alas, will still be you. Jet lag has apparently dimmed your bulb more than usual, Alex. I want you out of here in 30 days. On whose orders? On court orders, if I have to. And if I have to, I'll nullify the sale. I won't be kicked out of my own home. Kicked out or thrown out? The choice is yours. I really don't care how you go, but you will go. Alexis out for the count there, but uh, I'm sure she'll be back in the next round. Um, fantastic stuff. Love watching all those. What was it like working with Joan Collins then? And also John Forsyth and Linda Evans, etc. when you joined the parent show permanently? Well, uh, obviously one was entering their show, yeah. but I had got a couple of years under my belt of being the character yes. I was, which was extremely lucky because it meant that it was... Sable and Alexis, they could, they both knew who they were. It wasn't, uh, you know, they, they were established people. So that was nothing but fun. Mm. Um, but I definitely knew that I was uh, entering Joan's uh, land. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I was quite nervous about the thought. Mm. Uh, and it was even suggested to me that I might not enjoy it. Oh. But I did. And she was a doll. I mean, when oh, I first good. arrived in Hollywood, she sent me flowers. Oh. She said, "Is there anything that you need? You know, do, would you, you know, to find your way around or in any way?" Yes. Um, no, she was nothing but wonderful, and has uh, stayed a friend since. That's um, lovely. Because of course, she wasn't keen to guest in the Colbys because she was concerned it was going to confuse the viewers. <laughs> she wouldn't. She wouldn't. And. Um, uh, uh, no, I mean, uh, uh, Joan knows her territory and oh, she yeah. she holds it. And that's great. 
that means that you know there's it's not some woolly person there it's uh, uh you you got a, a fabulous sword fight going on it's great great uh, uh john forsyth was the backbone of that show consummate actor. was consummate uh, professional mm. lovely man and linda evans a much underrated actress by herself she she it was a bit like Ava Gardner Ava Gardner never thought she was a good actress mm. and I don't think Linda ever thought she was as good an actress as uh, she actually oh, interesting. is interesting yes because I always um, compare her smile to Julia Roberts there's certain people who um, light up light the up screen are you light up the screen but in, in your own very distinctive way but I compare uh, Julia Roberts's dazzling smile with that of Linda Evans she just there's so much warmth that comes through the screen she yes, was so well cast there's so much warmth that comes through from Linda she is she, a, a, a very lovely woman mm. um, as soft spoken as she is uh, when she was doing Crystal uh, a very very lovely special quality mm. And uh, a, a very warm person, and she was the person that first introduced me to the fluffy slippers. Fluffy because slippers. when I first met her, I thought, "Madam, what are you doing wearing those terrible slippers?" <laughs> I only had to spend a few days in those high heel yes. shoes to find out why. In between takes, Linda Evans wore her fluffy slippers. That is adorable. I'd love to find some photos of that. Was there any notable differences between American and British TV that you picked Huge up on? Huge amount. Huge amount. Okay. Mm. Um, uh, you only have to think of the fact that you in America then, I don't think they do it so much now, 26 episodes w would be done in a year. Whereas in England, if you've got 10 episodes in a year, that's a lot. Yes. Um, uh, in England, you write ahead, and uh, when you're going to start something like Connie, you're reading all 13 episodes. Uh, whereas you only get a breakdown of your character and one or two episodes in America. So mm. it's a it's one that they can uh, and they had twelve people writing. You know, it's a it's a different approach. It is more factory or was on that sort of show more factory um, uh, with bigger uh, production. I would say that the, I mean crews are the same the world over. Oh yeah. Crews are crews, and they're the best. I mean, it's slightly different, say, in Italy, because you definitely have the lighting guy telling the sound people what to do and the sound people having opinions about the lighting. But, you know, generally, crews are crews. Mm. But the, the the sort of ethos behind it is let's get something that will go into syndication uh, is the attitude um, uh, in America. And in England, it's uh, how many uh, shows will this idea really support? Mm, yeah. Like 40 Towers only yes. being, what, 12 episodes? 12 episodes, extras the same, and The Office, yeah, absolutely. 
just while we're finishing the Dynasty thing, I do have to flag up the Dynasty Facebook page, who I think will all be listening to this. They put up posts, and, and so do I. Um, my good friends Mark and David uh, went down the aisle to the theme from Dynasty. Oh, and uh, Steve, uh, David, Neil, and Dallas the dog have to be referenced as well, because they'll be listening to this. So I, I just thought I'd get <laughs> that in. What sort of dog is Dallas? I'm not sure it's a... Uh, oh, I'm not very good at describing dogs, but he is gorgeous. Oh, it must be very ugly. It's no, Dallas. it's gorgeous doggy. He's a gorgeous doggy. <laughs> SNS Online presents the soundtrack of your life. So it's time for the soundtrack of your life now, where you get the chance to pick a track, Stephanie, uh, that might resonate professionally, personally, or just because it makes your feet tap. Uh, What have you got for us? Um, Forever Young, Bob Dylan. And is there any particular reason? Well, why not? Stay Forever Young. God bless and keep you always May your wishes all come true May you always do for others And let others do for you May you build a ladder to the stars And climb on every rung And may you stay You're listening to SNS Online with today's special guest, Stephanie Beecham. So after Dynasty, you worked on other Aaron Spelling shows, uh, also The Wolves of Willoughby Chase, Star Trek, like Joan Collins, you got to guest as, I think, Moriarty's holographic wife. Yes, what a joy that was. fun. And also Sister Kate, but I don't think we ever got in the UK, and you got a Golden Globe nomination for that, which yes, has to be flagged up. Yes, that was Tell that us was a little lovely. bit about that. 
Well, she was again uh, the complete and utter opposite of everything. She was a nun,、mm-hmm. and she ran an orphanage. We offer this Thanksgiving in Thy holy name. Amen. 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 Let's all join Eugene, whose dinner is already in progress. This is delicious macaroni and cheese, sister. Thank you, Violet. How come you got a steak? Well, you see, dear, there wasn't enough frozen entree for everyone, so I thought I'd make the sacrifice. Jason Priestley was one of my orphans.、Right. He was the eldest orphan, and then when he did、uh, Beverly Hills 90210, and they were thinking who would be good for Luke Perry's mum,、um, uh, Jason said, "Oh, it's Beecher,"、uh, and and said to、uh, said to、uh, Luke Perry, "You'll love her, you'll love her." And and, and Jason Priestley went to Aaron Spelling and said,、uh, "Beecher for Luke Perry's mum." And that's how I got to be on nine zero two one zero. But my American accent was—I didn't have a coach or anything—and I、oh. and when I was so bad. They said, "Well, I think you're going to have to have come from Hawaii," and then they weren't sort of worried too much about this dreadful American accent. They can't muck your accents around. We want to hear lovely British accent <laughs> in American TV because it just shines. <laughs>、uh, well, no, my,、uh, but anyway, that, so、yeah. that was a joy, and I did love uh, uh, Luke Perry. Mm. Um, and Jason, they they were my boys, my boys. And of course, Roy Trider, you worked with in、oh, Sequest. Yes, I mean, quite、Sequest. a variety of of、uh, very interesting, diverse.、Uh, He used to call. I, I was I, Kristen Westphalen was my character's name、uh-huh. in Sequest, and、um, uh, Roy used to call me uh, uh, Doctor Crestfallen. Doctor, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Very good. <laughs> So yes,、yeah, so- uh, uh, yes. Well, that was a, that was another one. I mean, I wouldn't.、Uh, it was,、uh, dear, you know, it's so ridiculous. I thought, <laughs> I thought, okay, I've got to be a marine biologist. Okay, well, and I went down to to、uh, the the、uh, university to learn about marine biology as much as I could. You、wow. know, quickly do it. And then the night before we started, they told me I was also the ship's doctor, and I thought I really can't manage to suddenly <laughs> go through. So there we go. I turn up the next day, and I'm the ship's doctor as well as the marine biologist. Okay, that's fine. Well, they just、um, limited. We didn't see much of Steven Spielberg. Ah,、okay. uh, yes. And uh, uh, you know, which was disappointing、mm. because it, this was. Working for Steven Spielberg,、yes. and、uh, Roy was quite upset that he wasn't around. He was in Poland, and and we thought,、oh, come on, you know, and you you're not giving us much feedback.、Um, and he was gorgeous when he did turn up, and he、uh, uh, was heavenly. But it was only after we saw Schindler's List, absolutely, <laughs> that we realised why. Just perhaps,、uh, Sequest wasn't really going to be taking too much of his attention because, of course, he was completely involved in what he was doing.、Yeah. So, all is forgiven. All is forgiven. <laughs> <laughs> Then you have quite a lot of work in England. You, I think, I don't know if you moved to the UK at, at a certain point, but、uh, you know, I came back 
because I came back to and based myself back here most of the time hmm. uh, because my mother was ill okay. and I wanted to be able to talk to her every lunchtime and say, did you have a nice lunch and, you know, isn't the weather dreary today or isn't it good? Hmm. So that uh, I just thought it – because you, you've got to be on the same – even if you're not actually – in the same room, you've got to be in the same universe. Yes, I understand. Um, yeah. and, uh, and it was, of course, well worthwhile because oh, well, you've only got one mummy. Yeah, oh, God, absolutely. Uh, running through some of the uh, wonderful parts you had in, in the UK, Coronation Street, of course, Trolleyed. Uh, you did a couple of um, uh, reality shows, Strictly Come Dancing and Celebrity Big Brother. Bad Girls I particularly wanted to focus on. hurt you now. Don't give a damn about him. He's not the point. We are. Look what we've become. Trading cream cakes for favours with riffraff like that. Look, please, just, just don't upset yourself. I bloody well will. They are going to keep us banged up in this hole for years. Have you ever really thought about that? I mean, what it means? It means our lives are in the shit. Look, we get by. Bullshit! We may have conned the half-wits in this place that, you know, we're above it all, but... We can't go on fooling ourselves. I can't stand this. What are you doing? We're getting out of here. Are you coming with me? If we stay in here, we are going to die in here. No. What's going on? We're checking out of here. The Costa Cons with the wonderful Amanda Barry. Uh, oh, t- I, I, that was so... That was ridiculous. <laughs> that was ridiculous. It was... I, I, I would say to Amanda, Amanda, move left. Why? Don't ask me why. Just move left. Go on. Just shovel over to the left a bit. Okay. No, we're fine here. Because I knew I knew enough about cameras to see how I could get us back to our room to listen to Radio 4 um, and not have to stand on rather hard concrete floors for too long. Um, uh, was, no, that was, that, was, that was really fun. Well, that was for continuity uh, reasons, obviously. If you weren't in shot, on, but you weren't particularly important to the scene. Yes, being, you, the, being you, the master, but then I knew what they were going to be concentrating yeah. on. You know, I'm just uh, lucky to have been in the business for three and a half minutes, so Did, I knew. Didn't Charlton <laughs> Heston suggest uh, uh, ways to sort of make things make your the filming day easier. Like if you did a scene, oh, look, just sit down sake. instead he of. He saved us. He <laughs> saved us because I would have ideas for the scene, and he would totally buy them, uh, uh, totally buy them. But then he would simplify the action yeah. so that uh, there were fewer. You know, I was still learning. I wasn't able to, uh, I had absorbed, absorbed an awful lot, but I hadn't done week after week after week, day after day after day yeah. of that sort of filming. Um, uh, uh, and it was, well, he was brilliant. He was yeah. brilliant. I learned so much. So Bad Girls, any other memories? I mean, again, another female-driven show that you got to be involved with. Yes, and again, uh, uh, what a load of fabulous talent. Mm. 
Absolutely. Uh, you know, the, 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 and, and, and Amanda. I mean, yeah. we were just so silly together. <laughs> <laughs> Scratch and sniff. With Nick Randall. Also much theatre in England. Oh, you, the wonderful masterclass, a play about Maria Callas, which uh, I actually saw the Time Daily version of that play. Uh, you look... Well, this is what was cross-making, because I, ah. I co- was offered the West End, and then we fiddle-faddled and do, didn't, and Tyne came in with hers. Oh, I see. Um, uh, which was, a, which was uh, which, well, whatever it was. It was a great show to do. And then, I don't know, I, I played Princess Margaret in yes. something. That was the Princess, Princess Undone. Undone mm. Which was really fun. But I'd also done New York. I'd done Oscar Wilde, uh, Ideal Husband in New York. And I also did that in Sydney and Brisbane and, you know. Mm. So, I, and, and I've played in Twelfth Night in... Uh, the Maldive Islands. I wow. mean, I've done some nonsensical things in the theatre that have been amazing to go travelling with. Yes, well, travelling is a, is a Brucey bonus, as they say. Um, yes, it is. And just to say, with Maria Callas in particular, I was watching some some clips um, earlier. You look extraordinarily like Maria Callas. Yes, it I is know, quite extraordinary. What what casting? I met uh, Franco Zeffirelli, mm-hmm. and he said. You must play Callas. Yeah. Uh, he 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 was the person that because Franco knew Maria Callas very well, and uh, uh, he was the first person to say you've got to do that. Yeah. So I did, but it was my friend Ronnie Roberts that said you should do Mastercars. Thanks a lot, Ronnie. That was a big learn. That was. It's rather like Kate Mulgrew. I always wanted to see her play Catherine Hepburn, and of course she did eventually. Yes. In um, uh, yeah. yes. Which yes. was just per- yes. again perfect, perfect casting. Um, in a such a varied and successful and enduring career, when do you think you were at your most fulfilled and professionally happy? <laughs> difficult. difficult oh, that's interesting, isn't it? Um, well, there would be in any filming day, uh, there would be about three seconds when I knew, in deep in the tingling of my skin, that that was. It yep. and in a in a theatre uh, show, gosh, you have to be doing it for about six weeks before you actually think mm, Act One and Act Two seem to work this evening, mm. but tomorrow I must work on. You know, there's so so fulfilled. Uh, uh, oh, you know, just all the time, really. <laughs> oh, yeah. You were involved in launching the Sense National Deaf, Blind and Rubella Association Fill the Gaps campaign, which aimed to give the elderly and the support they need to maintain a good quality of life. So that was obviously very personal for you because of your hearing loss. Was it more sort of socially isolating more than uh, it affected you professionally? Uh, I think um, it didn't do it to me. I did it to myself in terms of the isolation, you know, is terribly tiring to uh, uh, be having to lip read and and, and the the sound all coming in on one flat wall. I I understand that I hear like a primitive painting. It's all, I've never heard in stereo. Mm, Yes, cool. 
so, and it's tiring so that the noise that somebody else is making across the room comes in on the same flat plane as the person talking to yeah, you. Yeah. And it's very hard for people with hearing both sides of their heads uh, to understand that because that's what it is. I've just got one completely deaf ear yeah. and the other one is very good. But it means that my hearing is only on one side. I nearly get run over on a daily basis because I don't hear the traffic. Of course. There is somebody I know uh, from, from BBC, actually, who, who has exactly the same condition. One ear just doesn't function at all. But um, uh, she was a studio manager, so uh, <laughs> clearly... That you can do it. it. You yeah. can do mm. it. You've just got to get round it. But when yeah. I very first did uh, looping in a studio... Uh, until I had explained what I needed to do, which was to hear uh, through my ear uh, and the the, the playback had to be played as well as what I was speaking through the one earphone. This is essentially dubbing, Um, just to explain. Yes, sorry, dubbing. No, no, it's fine. fine. Uh, Sorry, looping. (laughs) Um, uh, I would talk like a deaf person because if you can't hear yourself speak, your speech becomes um we don't realize that we listen to ourselves as we speak yes mm. i also ma- love hearing dogs for the deaf for deaf people that's a that's another thing because i right. think that that the hearing dogs yes they do incredibly useful things but they also a fabulous little companion because mm. they don't have to be big, you see, to be hearing dogs. Yes, they don't have to be big uh, labs or anything. Mm. And uh, so you can have a dog that really suits you. And uh, they are trained to do certain things and tell you when this, that and the other. They tell you by sort of tapping you, scratching you. Uh, they don't bother to bark because you probably won't hear it. Yes. Um, and uh, uh, also... That gives you a semi-social life out in the park mm, because yeah. even if you can't talk to people, you are sort of with their other dogs. It's a, and so that's a, it's a wonderful charity that I love very much, and I also love the fact of a mammal as a companion uh, to fend off loneliness for people because I believe that deafness is very lonely for yeah. people. Oh, I'm sure, I'm absolutely sure. What roles do you feel you've yet to tackle uh, if and when the opportunity arose? Uh, and do you feel... Okay, uh, yeah. uh, 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 no problem. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, 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 she will be someone who is at the end of an enormous table, possibly, uh, uh, well, just, uh, she runs She runs the show, mm. but she's the old one, so she's the one with the power that's going to lose it. Uh-huh. I wouldn't know whether she's a queen or a countess or, yes. a, you know, whatever. But that 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 that's the role that I'm going to enjoy. Ooh. The sort of s- struggling to keep you. You have so many male roles like that. Yeah. Men k- struggling to keep their, um, their power, you know, yeah. their, their, yes, their power. Mm. But uh, uh, I I fancy one of those. Well, Game of Thrones sequel or prequel yes, is this coming up? So. Everybody, do listen to this and uh, contact yes. Stephanie. Um, do you yes. feel women of all ages are far better served than they ever used to be, or do you feel there's still much further to go? I have. Oh, I feel that we're being incredibly well served now. Mm. Um, uh, I think that uh, 
if you've got it, they'll use it. I really do. Mm. Or if you've got it, you can use it, which is the new thing. I mean, and now if I was a young actress, I'm sure I'd be a producer and a director and a writer and everything else. Yeah. When I started out, it was quite outre just to be an actress. Mm. Uh, but now, my goodness me, if you've, if, you've, if you've got the juice, you can put it down, write it down, and get it done. It's just up to you, honey. And, uh, and I think the doors are open. And that's a wonderful way to end this interview. Uh, Stephanie Beecham, thank you so much. Thank you so much. You will be receiving a celebrity goodie bag, as all our guests get. So we'll oh, we'll get nice. some details from you. And um, to a quote a friend of mine who unfortunately is no longer with us, Paul Condon, uh, BBCI player's finest, it must be added. Um, he used to wear a T-shirt that said, be more Beecham. And it was various pictures oh, of you. And everybody should be more Beecham, I feel. Oh, so, thank, thank you. you so I wish much. I knew. I wish I could see that T-shirt. Uh, I, I, send, send, me, send me a photo. Oh, I will do. I will do. Oh, bless you. Thank, thank you, you very so much. Thank you so much.
snsonlineshow.com, your brand new one-stop shop for all things SNS. Take a tour through our wide and diverse collection of shows and listen in to our exclusive range of in-depth interviews spanning the popular arts, featuring actors, writers, journalists, stand-up comedians, musicians and more. You can also enjoy our shorter bite-sized series covering vibrant new theatre, television and book releases. And with our Arts Lifestyle Remit, you get to explore issue-based topics including health, mental health, women's rights around the world and LGBTQ. Contact us with both your comments and suggestions for future guests. And don't forget to read up on our blog, regularly updated with articles and photographs, a forum where everyone is welcome to contribute. snsonlineshow.com, your one-stop shop for all things SNS. SNS.